Hello, welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the channel. I greatly appreciate it. This week up, we're going to take a look at Walgreens. Walgreens is the multi-location retailer. They do a drugstore, convenience store, whatever you want to call them. Let's figure out, are they growing stores? Are they growing cash flow? How much hard cash money is this stock making? And if we bought today, held it for a decade, would we beat the market? Ready? Let's get to work. As we review this stock, we're going to review it with our five key attributes, like we do with all stocks in this channel, as a foundation for how much cash flow does this company make, and is it valuable, is it worth considering to the next round. Our five key attributes are as follows. Number one, top-line revenue growth, we need to see it growing. Number two, earnings growth, EBITDA, enterprise-level earnings must be growing. Number three, strong free cash flow, right? That's the motto of the show. Number four, low debt. Number five, well-priced stock. What is a well-priced stock? A well-priced stock is a stock that has a conservative forecast and is expected to beat the market. That's it. There are thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of stocks out there in the world. Our job is not to try to buy all of them, but to exclude the ones that don't meet our criteria and pare it down to a core, say 20 to 30 stocks that we truly believe will grow long-term. And we put our money in those stocks and we hold them for a long, long time. I cannot tell you how happy I am to hear people holding stocks long-term. You do not need to trade them. You should not be trading them. A stock is not a dollar on a screen. A stock is a company full of people. It's an enterprise. It's a business. You're buying that company because you want to be an owner in that business, and you're going to own that business for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's the way you want to think about equities. Let's dive into Walgreens and figure out how much cash it makes and what we think the true value of this business actually is. Okay, Walgreens, uh, Boots Alliance, ticker WBA, fiscal year ending August 31. I highly, highly, highly recommend you read their 10K, understand the business as a foundation for making any kind of stock investment. The potential for gain also comes with it the potential for loss, and you always want to be cognizant of that. Behind me are their the revenue and earnings. These are in millions of dollars. So in 2014, the company made $76 billion running their multi-location retail business. That grew to $103 billion in 2015, 117, 118, 131 is kind of the peak-ish in 2018. Then it came down by almost $10 billion to $120 billion. 121, 132, and 132 during the pandemic years, kind of 2021 and 2022, were even at $132 million, excuse me, billion dollars. If we look at this on an annual consolidated basis, kind of a long-term average of these nine years, the company grew revenue at 7% on average over this time period. Okay, that checks the box. Low, kind of mid-single-digit growth rate. We can live with that. That's not a problem. Let's figure out how much earnings they make over this time. So earnings, EBITDA, earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. I would also add in there some other one-time non-recurring costs. You can actually add those back to kind of get to a normalized, in air quotes, normalized earnings that you would expect this business to go year in, year out without some sort of one-time anomalies. And in 2014, they produced $5 billion of earnings on 20, excuse me, on $76 billion of operating income. And that's a 6.7%, 6.7% profit margin. 
Now that $5 billion grew to 6.7, 7.9, then it came down to 7, 7.6, kind of up again, 6.7, down again, and then down 4.9, 5.6, and 4.7. So the last three years have been flatter, or excuse me, lower than the previous three years. This business kind of grew a little bit, then in 2018, 19, kind of peaked, and has been coming down since then in the profitability. You can see that in the profit margin has gone from 7.7, 7. excuse me, 6.7 to 6.8, down to a four as a, as a low, now at 3.6% EBITDA margin, which is razor, razor thin. We do not wanna, we want a fatter margin than that, in my opinion. Um, so when I would look at this in the totality, EBITDA is actually declining over this nine year period of time, average declining rate of 1% per year. So this would not check our box. We need earnings to be growing at the very least over a long, long period of time. I don't mind the up and down during the years, but I do wanna see some kind of pattern that I believe I can rely on. And it's very difficult for a company that has EBITDA that's kind of down to kind of assume it's gonna turn around. But we'll dive into more in the per unit detail here in a second. Let's finish out with our enterprise value. Enterprise value is the debt and equity of the business. So we're gonna take a look at debt first. Debt was very reasonable early in the decade, $4.5 billion. They had an earnings of 5 billion. That's one times debt to earnings. That's a great ratio. That quickly grew to 14, 19, 12, 14, 16, 40, 34, 36. Now what happened in 2019 and 2020, it went from $16 billion to 40 billion dollars. Well, that's simply an accounting change. So in 2019, uh, Gap required all public companies to uh, capitalize on their balance sheet, their lease, their rent obligations. So all the retail locations that they own, those long-term rent agreements that they have signed, they present value that lease obligation and they put it on the books as both a capital asset, a right to use asset, and as a long-term liability. And when we run our debt calculations, it is an obligation that they own it's not exactly the same as bank debt, uh, but it's still an obligation that they own. So it's picked up here in our calculation and it spikes their debt ratio. So we will say that their debt ratio, we would expect to be much higher than three as a result of all this capitalized um, leases. When I look at the most recent year of $36 billion of debt, they still have 10 plus billion of pure bank debt on their books. If we look at earnings, earnings sub five, so they have at least at least two times, if not a little bit more of just pure bank debt. And then on top of that, they have another uh, $16 billion of lease obligation. So the, 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 the company itself seems to be pretty highly levered, but let's keep going. Excess cash, excess cash is a good goose egg over the nine year period of time with the exception of the most recent year, they had $1 billion in excess cash. Market cap, that shares outstanding, I use fully diluted shares outstanding times the average sale price in their fiscal year, that's what I do. You can do average share price for the year, kind of around the end of the, uh, the quarter or the month. I just picked the month. As you can see, the market cap has actually come down over this nine year period of time. It was at $60 billion in 2014. It grew to 95 billion in 2015. Looks like that's kind of the peak. and It's come down from there, 95, 88, 87, 67, 47, 35, 41, and $33 billion of market cap. 
last fiscal year ending 2022. I add these up and I get enterprise value. Enterprise value followed the same pattern, peaking at about $109 billion in 2015, and it has come down to 107, 100, 82, 64, 76, 75, 78, 68 billion dollars, 68 billion dollars is the last number in 2022 uh, for the enterprise value. Uh, if we look at the debt ratio, our leverage ratio, total debt divided by EBITDA, the number of times, number of years it would take for them to pay off all their liabilities. As I said earlier, back in the decade, it seemed like it was uh, perfectly capitalized. It had one times debt to EBITDA, which is what we want to see. That has grown over time as, as earnings have come down or languished and they've continued to try to expand to grow their empire, but that empire isn't yielding positive EBITDA and their, their debt is growing. So you can see one times, it got up to two and a half times before the adjustment in the accounting period, and then it goes to eight and a half times, six times, and 7.4 times. This for us is too much leverage. I'm willing to give a pass to businesses that are multi-location retail because they have to capitalize the rent liabilities. And rent liabilities are different, I acknowledge, than bank debt or, or junior debt. But it is still a liability. If they were to cancel the agreement, they would still be on the hook for some kind of settlement with the landlord, which that settlement comes in front of us as equity owners. So I can't simply ignore the seven and say, oh, it's two and a half. It's perhaps not fully 7.4 because if they had to get rid of their leases, they could settle for some, you know, 75% of the dollar, 50 cents on the dollar, but it's still a material dollar amount. So in my opinion, this number is still materially too far above three times, and therefore it's not going to check the box for us. Let's go take a look at free cash flow. Okay, where the rubber meets the road free cash flow, let's take a look at 2014 free cash flow for Walgreens. Walgreens, $3.8 billion of adjusted free cash flow from operations. That went up to 5.6, 7.7, 7.1, came down to 5.5, 5.3, 5.4, and $3.5 billion of adjusted free cash flow from operations last fiscal year. And this kind of up and then down resulted in a 1% decline over the nine-year period of time. And that 1% decline is equal to the 1% decline in EBITDA. So even though the business is slightly shrinking, the accounting team is doing a great job accurately reflecting, in my opinion, the decline on the income statement within the cash flow statement. Good job, accounting team. I like to see that. It's not the result I want, but you're being honest with me in terms of what's happening. The income statement is transitioning to the, P to the uh, cash flow statement, and that's a good sign. It's a good sign of uh, accounting integrity. CapEx, this is them building new stores and refurbishing their stores. It's been growing at 6%. It started at $1.1 billion. It's now $1.7 billion, roughly half their free cash flow where it used to be a third. So the buildings that they make are becoming more expensive and harder to upkeep as CapEx is growing. Meanwhile, adjusted free cash flow is actually declining. Not a good thing. That's going the other direction. We want to see wide margins here really large cash flow operations, really small capex. And we've got the opposite going on here. Now debt, debt is the payment of debt, the inflow and outflow of cash money, not the ending value. And here you can see they kind of make some payments kind of up, kind of down. The totality of this is that their total balance has gone up. 
Free cash flow to equity, that's the FCFE. This is the number that the businesses are valued on. Uh, most of this here last fiscal year is what they actually produced uh, in, in borrowed debt. If I were to zero out uh, last year's debt payment or borrowing thereof and just looked at the, the cash money that they made, last year they made $3.5 billion of operating cash flow. They put back $1.7 billion of cash into the business to build new locations and to refurbish existing ones to close others. And what they were left with was basically $1.7 billion of free cash flow to equity, putting the debt aside for a minute. That $1.7 billion of cash is what is able to pass through to us as equity owners. And if they have 866 million shares outstanding, that's about $2 per share that's available. If I look into the market and see what they're trading at, they're trading at $38 at the last fiscal year. I take my two bucks per share free cash, divide it by the $38 per share, and I get a free cash flow yield of 5.3% without paying down the debt. Now we've already established the debt is too high. The debt needs to be coming down, which means that in addition to the capex of $1.7 billion, they need to be putting back in line at least a billion or so back in cash to buy down the debt over time, which means that the $2 of free cash flow is more like one. It, it's just not two bucks. So I think for us, this is weak free cash flow that we're looking at. Let's take a look at a per unit buildup of this company before we get a little bit more detailed, then we'll forecast. All right, I'll take a pause here just to remind you to hit the subscribe button uh, if you like the content. And also in the description, you'll find a link to my webpage, cashflowinvestingpro.com, where I teach a course that teaches you how to do all of this for your own portfolio. Let's take a look at the number of locations they have. So back in 2015, they had 12,000 755 locations. And what's happened to that number? It's grown slightly to 13,334 as of last fiscal year end, but they have closed a lot of locations in the meantime. So the 12,755 grew to a peak of 14,000, 14,327 off the backs of a big acquisition in 2018 where they acquired 1,500 locations. They have such been closing those locations ever since they closed 445 locations in 2019, 433 locations in 2020, 2021, they closed 453, and they opened 347 in 2021. The result here is that they grew but slightly. And we think when we look out into the future, what this business can do, I think they're going to struggle growing. And I have a quick graph to show you. All right, behind me, you can see the store count. This is uh, thousands of stores. You can see the acquisition. You can see how they've been buying, they've been closing stores. It's hard to estimate where they're going to grow. We've assumed going forward that they're going to grow their locations at 10 stores per year going forward because they closed a whole lot. And I'm not willing to give them credit. They're going to be opening hundreds and hundreds of stores every single year. So I'll say 10 stores. And I'm going to say that they're going to grow their earnings per store about 3%. When we look at each individual store, last year they made approximately $10 million per store. And if I take that and I grow that price per store at 3% per year, plus a few stores 
extra incremental, I get a revenue forecast that brings revenue to $162 billion out 10 years from now from where they ended last year at $132 billion. I then apply a simple low EBITDA margin to this of 3.6%, which is what they achieved last fiscal year, and I get $4.4 billion of EBITDA growing to 5.8 out 10 years from now. Now, cash flow is very, very weak, only 1.3% of free cash flow. I apply the same logic to this, and I get a per share price of $1.91 all the way down to $2.50 out 10 years from now. So I just showed you the forecast of EBITDA. I'll go through it really quickly, but let's apply the market multiple that makes sense and figure out what's the dollar per share value for this business that works. Next year, we're thinking a little bit of a decline in earnings because their first couple quarters here are a little bit weak. So I'm giving them a little bit of cushion. I'm saying 4.4 billion of EBITDA is gonna grow to 5.8, again, because of the per unit value slightly growth and a 3% growth in revenue per store. That gives me 5.8 billion out 10 years from now. I'll apply a 12 times exit multiple to this stock, which is basically what they had historically. They've always had in this 12 to 13 range. Fine, I'll use that even though for a 3% annual growth stock, I think 12% is very high, but we'll leave it alone. So 12 times 5.8 billion gives me 60, $69 billion enterprise value. Less the debt plus the cash gives me $34 billion of market cap. Divide by the shares, I get a price target of $39.70 out 10 years for Walgreens. Now we apply the same logic to the free cash flow per share. I have $1.90 per share and I grow that to $2.50. I apply a yield of 7% out 10 years and I get a $35.78 price target for Walgreens by a free cash flow method out 10 years. So here's where it gets interesting. Now we can take a look at the stock price itself and figure out where is it trading. Well, it's trading currently at $36.50. I can buy as much stock as I want at that price. Our price forecast long-term out 10 years for this stock is basically $37.74. Now, if I try to figure out what the current market, excuse me, what the current enterprise value of the stock is, the current enterprise value is $67 billion. That is a 15 times market multiple on forward EBITDA. If we think we're gonna sell it for 12 and we're buying it at 15, that's a market multiple compression that's gonna work against you in your economic return on a yield basis we're yielding 5.2%. If I pop this into an IRR calculation, what's it gonna yield? Well, you probably guessed it, right? Flat earnings per, sh flat on the share price. I'm in it 36.50, I'm out at 37.74. That's basically a buck difference that I make. I get free cash flow per share of about a dollar to two, even though we established we think this is rich because they're not buying down debt. And lo and behold, I get a 7% forecast IRR for this stock 1.6 times, the 7% IRR is below the 10 time, excuse me, the 10% that the S&P typically makes over a 10 year period of time. So for us, that's gonna be a big issue. Let me put this in a, a distribution curve for you to see if the stock price moves, would you be attracted to it? So I think right now, with the current math that's behind me at $37 a share, it's an underperforming stock at 7%. If the stock price falls down, Less than 30 bucks, it becomes mildly attractive, but I still think there's inherent risk here in their ability to grow the per units and the amount of share leverage this stock has. 
So the question is, if we think it's underperforming at 7%, what could we or should we pay for this stock? Well, a stock that's over leveraged like it is at seven times and has growing at 3%, I would give a nine or 10 times EBITDA to that. So let's just say nine times EBITDA. If I take nine times the, enter, the forward EBITDA of 4.4 billion, I get an enterprise value that I'd be willing to buy the stock for at $39 billion. If I take that 39 billion and I subtract from that the debt that they have on, on hand of 36 billion and I add the cash of 1 billion, I get, an, I get a, a market cap, a market cap of $4.4 billion, $4.5 billion. If I subtract, or excuse me, if I divide the shares that they have outstanding into that price, I get a share price value of five bucks. I kid you not, that is an astonishingly low price. Maybe if I stretch it to 10 times, I'm willing to pay 10X for the stock, fine, 15. But you can see it 15 times earnings is what it's currently at. $35, it's way overpriced in my opinion. I would give this thing a 10 times multiple. It is a $10 stock and this stock will continue to go down until people realize an over leveraged stock with EBITDA declining uh, and rising CapEx is not a stock you wanna buy or pay 12 or 15 times earnings for. You and I have looked at stocks in the past that are growing revenue, growing earnings, trading for 12 times, that are yield, that are that are free cash flowing and have low debt, that are expected to return 15 to 20% IRR. This stock is not that stock and it's highly, highly overvalued. So let me let me do this. Let's review the five key attributes. Number one, top line revenue growth. It is growing. Number two, EBITDA earnings are not growing. Number three, strong free cash flow is not there. Number four, over leveraged. Yes, it, debt is too high, it's not there. Number five, well priced. No, it is not. I'm gonna go ahead and give this a bad rating. I give very few of these out because I'm, I'm you know, cautious, I don't wanna be too mean to stocks, but I think this stock needs a tremendous amount of work to redo it. They need a complete overhaul and I would be looking to completely restructure this business if I were CFO. Uh, absolute gutting stores, paring down to the most profitable stores, retooling management OPEX, and try to right-size this business, get EBITDA margin up, get your CapEx under control, grow your margin north of, of 6% EBITDA margin, be in line with CVS, and then, and, then, uh, and then pay down that debt over time. They're buying down a little bit of shares. If you look at the EPS of the stock, EPS is growing because they're buying back shares and they're just deceiving the market out there. They're, they're making earnings per share look like it's growing, but in reality, the business is contracting and they're just buying back shares to make the illusion of EPS higher. Uh, this is a review of Walgreens. If you like this type of analysis, you want to learn how to do more, I highly suggest you check out the description down below. I teach a course, cashflowinvestingpro.com. I will give you this Excel sheet. We will walk through uh, Apple. I will show you how to calculate revenue, how to calculate EBITDA, what goes into debt with the capitalized leases, short-term and long-term, how to pull it together. What is a market multiple? What is a free cash flow yield? How to stitch together a forecast so that you can have an understanding of where the value of the business is. That will set you up for the rest of your life to give you a framework to think about investing, which is highly, highly valuable. I've been doing this as a professional CFO for probably 20 years. 
not all as the CFO. I've, I grew up in corporate finance. I did investment banking for five years, and I've worked with private equity groups and board of directors to do M&A activity. And I'm telling you, this is how they think. I'm happy to teach you. Check it out, cashflowinvestingpro.com. If you like this type of analysis, but you don't have time to do the work, I suggest you download the free one-pager on the link below for the free one-pager. It is a one-page summary of an entire stock. We run a club called the Cash Flow Club. We're chasing cash flowing assets. We believe the underlying value of a business is that of its free cash flow. And we want to buy companies that are yielding 10 plus percent free cash flow and will compound over time. Ideally, you would get a trifecta, a company that is growing earnings, is buying back shares, and has a market multiple expansion opportunity, meaning you buy it at nine times and it grows to 15. This stock is trading at 15, it's gonna to decline to 10, you want the other. That is how you grow exponential stock return. Check out my video, Domino's versus Google, how they, they IPO'd both 16 years ago together the same month, but Domino's actually outperformed Google on an IPO investment that's shocking to people. It made over 6,000% return for the investors of the IPO, why? They grew earnings, they bought back share and they had a massive market multiple exp expansion. Google paid no dividends, did not buy back any shares, uh, had no market multiple expansion, only had earnings growth. You had one of the three, if you get three of the three, it's the true trifecta. That's what we hunt for in the cash flow club. And I highly recommend you sign up for it. We are kicking in their phenomenal one page summaries of amazing stocks. We just had a webinar here in April that went through some of the top picks for 2023. And there are some numbers in there that are yielding 20% IRR. You might as well check it out. What I will say is that if you look in that cash flow club, it will give you perspective. You will be able to see a lot of different stocks. You can kind of understand what is the gamut, what, what are really good stocks ten, generally tend to exhibit and what are bad stocks tend to exhibit. And having that understanding, that, that framework of a perspective will give you a better chance of selecting a stock you can own for a long, long time. Check it out, cashflowinvestingpro.com. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. I really appreciate the time uh, listening on the podcast, uh, watching the YouTube channel. Please, please, please hit the subscribe button. Throw me a comment down below. It helps the old algorithm out. Always appreciate that. And uh, we're going to have some more content coming for you. It's a brand new year. Stocks have been sold off. We expect stocks to continue to sell off. And what does that mean? That means cash flow yields are going up. As the market throws out all kinds of stocks, it is literally giving away dollars for pennies, not quite pennies, maybe 50 cent pieces. Uh, and it's our job to uncover them, present them to you. Cash flow club members get it first. And then we will hopefully get everybody a little bit more money in this 2023 year and, 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 and beyond. All right. Thanks so much for the time. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.